chapter eight of clergymen of the church of england by anthony trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eight the curate in a populous parish would that it were possible to enforce upon the bishops as a part of their duty the task of furnishing annually a statistical report which would show what proportion of the clerical duties in their diocese was done by curates and what proportion by other clergymen and also what payment had been made to the curates for the work so done and what payment to those who were not curates such statement might show us for instance in a tabulated form how many morning services and how many evening services had been performed by each curate how many sermons preached by them how many children baptized how many dead men buried how many marriages celebrated and above all how many cottages visited then if we could see together with all this what amount of the payment received could be justly appropriated to each task performed we would have some clear idea of the manner in which the revenues of the church are divided among those who do the work of the church we all know that no such statistical information is within our reach the bishops are altogether beyond our power and cannot be ordered by any one to do anything the idea of comparing the work done with the payment given for the work would be horrible to the imagination of every beneficed clergyman in the church of england it would be horrible even to the imagination of the curates themselves who like the needy knife-grinder have no adequate conception of the injustice they are themselves suffering and who are as a body so well inclined towards the rules and traditions of the profession to which they belong that they have not as yet taught themselves to wish for a change no clergyman in our church has as yet taken it into his head that there should be any analogy or any proportion between work and wages in his profession as there is such analogy and such proportion in all other professions there is something of revolutionary tendency in the suggestion that clergymen should be paid in accordance with their work which is almost profane to the mind of a clergyman and which vexes him sorely as being subversive of that grand position which he holds as the owner of a temporal freehold the very irregularity of the payments still made to parish parsons and formerly made to bishops half justifies a latent idea that clergymen though they work and receive payment are not labourers working for hire a second son inherits his living as the elder son inherits his estate and the rector who receives his living from his bishop is equally firm in his possession he may be blessed with a thousand pounds a year for doing very little or have two hundred pounds a year for doing a great deal but in either case what he receives has no connection with what he does and therefore no such statistics as those of which we have spoken can be supplied no revelation will be made to us tending in any degree to give us the information for which we ask that there will come an adjustment between work and wages in the church as in all other professions is certain indeed much has been done towards this adjustment already though not after the fashion above proposed the incomes of all bishops have been arranged on such an idea to the great detriment as has before been explained of episcopal magnificence 
deans and canons have fallen beneath the levelling hands of ecclesiastical political economists and out of the funds which have been acquired by these adjustments and curtailings of ecclesiastical wealth certain incumbents working in populous parishes have received augmentations of pay making their incomes up to the very modest stipend of three hundred pounds per annum but nothing in all this has touched the great body of the clergymen of the church of england or has as yet shown any general recognition of the principle that the hire of the labourer should be proportioned to the labour done in speaking of the work and wages of curates it must of course be admitted that in all professions and all trades the beginner should be contented to work his way up taking at first and being contented to take a modest remuneration for the very best that he can do the young barrister does not get fifty guinea fees at once nor does the young medical practitioner jump at once into the good graces of the old ladies and gentlemen who make the fortunes of mature doctors but at the bar and in the profession of physic there is at least some proportion kept the man who gets the most money is generally the hardest worked man or if in some cases it be not so the lower man who works harder than him above him receives something like a fair share of the spoil if he be successful in work he is successful in pay also being successful in work he will not work without success in pay but the curate let his success in work be what it may does not even think that he has on that account a claim to proportionate remuneration if he can get to the soft side of his bishop if he have an aunt that knows some friend of the lord chancellor or a father who has means to buy a living for him and he be not himself of too tender a conscience in the matter of simony then he may hope to rise but of rising in his profession because he is fit to rise he has no hope the idea has not as yet come home to him that he has a positive claim upon his bishop because he has worked hard and honestly in his profession it is notorious that a rector in the church of england in the possession of a living of let us say a thousand a year shall employ a curate at seventy pounds a year that the curate shall do three-fourths or more of the work of the parish that he shall remain in that position for twenty years taking one fourteenth of the wages while he does three-fourths of the work and that nobody shall think that the rector is wrong or the curate ill-used all the world that is to say the rector's friends and the curate's friends also have been so long accustomed to this state of things the bishops have had it so long under their eyes the idea of a temporal freehold in a living being a good thing for the parson instead of a good thing for the parishioner has got such a hold of us all that we none of us see the injustice of the present practice or stop to inquire how it grew up among us originating in a practice that was not unjust when the rectors and vicars were very many among us in comparison to the curates when a curate was needed in but few parishes the ordinary tenure of a curacy was of course short there have been instances no doubt since the earliest years in which curates were employed of curates who have remained curates till they were old men 
but the succession from the smaller number of the inferior grade to the much larger number of the superior grade was of course rapid and a clerical babe would be contented to take a curacy even at seventy pounds a year who might reasonably expect to be raised from that humble position after a service of two or three years but nowadays since the immense increase of population has forced upon us an increase of curates any increase in the number of endowed rectors and vicars being out of our reach the clerical babe must become a clerical old man on the same pittance and it is coming to pass that young men whose friends have been at the trouble of giving them a good education do not like the prospect of becoming curates without any prospect of rising from their curacies to the glories and comforts of full-blown parsondom and in considering this matter we must remember that the curate of to-day is deprived of a great advantage which belonged as a matter of course to the curate of yesterday the latter was presumed to be by virtue of his calling a gentleman and as such possessed almost a right to be admitted into society which neither his fortune nor his own abilities would have opened to him he was a gentleman as it were by act of parliament and it was understood that he might receive where he could not give and so enjoy many of those good things which a liberal income produces though such things were beyond the reach of his own purse thus the pains of his position were mitigated and in this way the poor clergyman mixed with men who were not poor and received a something from his status in the world to which no disgrace was attached though it was something which he could not return but we may say that all this is now altered a clergyman is no longer a gentleman by act of parliament till the other day he was admitted into all families simply because he had a place in the reading-desk of the parish church but he is no longer so admitted things have become changed within a few years and mothers are becoming as chary of admitting the curate among their flocks till they know exactly what are the curate's bearings as they have ever been in regard to the new young doctor till they have known his bearings under these circumstances all men who care for the church of england are beginning to ask themselves how the race of curates is to be continued let us for a moment look at the life of a curate of the present day we will suppose that he comes from some college at cambridge or oxford we will so suppose because cambridge and oxford still give us the majority of our clergymen though we can hardly hope that they will long continue to be so bountiful he enters the church moved to do so by what we all call a special vocation during the period of his education he feels himself to be warmed towards the teaching of the english protestant church and as he finds the ministry easy in his way he enters it and about the age of twenty-four he becomes a curate he is at first gratified at the ease with which are confided to him the duties of an assistant in the cure of souls and does not think much of the stipend which is allotted to him he has lived as a boy at the university upon two hundred a year without falling much into debt and thinks that as a man he can live easily upon seventy pounds hitherto he has indulged himself with many things he has smoked cigars and had his wine parties and been luxurious 
but as a curate he will be delighted to deny himself all luxuries his heart will be in the service of his god and his appetite shall be to him as thorns which he will make to crackle in the fire to eat bread without butter and to drink tea without milk is a glory to him and so he begins the world and for a year or two if he be not weak-minded things do not go badly with him the parson's wife sees far into his character and is kind to him stirred thereto by a conviction of which she is herself unconscious that the money payment made by her husband is insufficient the dry bread and the brown tea are still sweetened by reminiscences of st paul's sufferings and the young man consoles himself by inward whisperings of forty stripes save one five times repeated to be persecuted is as yet sweet to him and he knows that in doing all the rector's work for seventy pounds a year he is being persecuted but anon there grows up within his breast a feeling in which the grievance as regards this world is brought into unpleasant contact with the persecution in which he has a pietistic delight he still rejoices in the reflection that he cannot possibly buy for himself a much-needed half-dozen of new shirts but is uncomfortably angry because the rector himself is not only idle but has bought a new carriage and then he gives way a little the least in the world and at the end of the year owes the butcher a small bill which he cannot settle from that day the vision of st paul melts before his eyes and he sighs for replenished flesh-pots but he still works hard in his curacy perhaps harder than ever driven thereto by certain inward furies what will become of him of him with his seventy pounds a year and nothing further to expect as professional result if he be deserted by his religious ecstasy but religious ecstasy will not permit itself to be maintained on such terms and gradually there creeps upon him the heart-breaking disappointment of a soured and an injured man in the midst of this he takes to himself a wife it is always so the man who is most in the dark will be the best inclined to take a leap in the dark in the lowest period of his despondency he becomes a married man enjoying at the moment a little fitful gleam of short-lived worldly pleasure then again he is a male saint for a few months with a female saint beside him and after that all collapses and he goes down into irrevocable misery and distress in a few years we know of him as a beggar of old clothes as a man whom from time to time his friends are asked to lift from unutterable depths of distress by donations which no gentleman can take without a crushed spirit as a pauper whom the poor around him know to be a pauper and will not therefore respect as a minister of their religion in all this there has been very little we may say nothing of fault in the curate himself as a young man almost as a boy he placed himself in a position of which he knew the old conditions rather than those then existing around him and through that mistake he fell but young men are now beginning to know and the fathers of young men also what are at present the true conditions of the church of england as a profession and they who have been nurtured softly and who have any choice will not undergo its trials and its injustice 
for men of a lower class in life who have come from harder antecedents the normal seventy pounds per annum may suffice but all modern churchmen will understand what must be the effect on the church if such be the recruits to which the church must trust End of chapter 8